Take a look at this picture of an oxen yoke. It's kind of made out of wood. And we'll show you a couple of pictures of what it looks like in real action. You know, if you are a farmer and you have a young ox or a new ox, there's a lot that this young ox doesn't know. If you just uh, take a young ox and try to go plowing, uh, it doesn't know how to go in a straight line. It'll, you know, go everywhere. But probably most importantly, the young ox will burn out. It will doesn't know how to conserve its energy. It doesn't know, you know, how long the day is going to be. And it'll just go full speed from uh, the beginning of the day. And, you know, within just a few hours, perhaps it burns out and can't, can't go. And so what farmers would do, I don't know if they still do this, but especially in the ancient world is they would yoke two oxen together. They would pair the young ox with, they would call it the strong ox, the older, heavier, more established ox who has learned a lesson on how to go slow, how to go in a straight line, and most importantly, how to um, not burn out, how to not get weary. And th this can be jarring for a young ox. You know, you would take this wooden yoke and you would basically bind and yoke together these two animals. And it doesn't matter how much energy the young ox has, it's not going anywhere without the heavier, more mature, more skilled, strong ox. And it really, this, this yoke forces the young ox to learn the ways, to learn the rhythms, and to learn the pace from the veteran, from the strong ox. Now, what would happen sometimes is, um, is the, uh, in all the starting and stopping of plowing, if the wooden ox didn't fit the uh, young ox just right, um, the, the edges of the wood would, would dig into the hide of the animal and it would begin to hurt the animal and it would cause a wound. And eventually it would really um, like severely prohibit like the functionality and the well-being and the health and the happiness of this young ox. And so what would happen is the, the farmer would take that animal with the wooden yoke to the carpenter shop. And he would say to the carpenter, this yoke is hard, right? This yoke is hard on my ox. It's literally cutting into the, the back. It doesn't fit well. It's not working out. And so the carpenter would look at where the, the, the injury is on the back or the neck of the ox, he would look at the yoke and he would shave off the area that's not fitting the, the, the ox well. And they would kind of sneak up on this and they'd get to where this yoke fits perfectly on the ox and, and doesn't hurt it anymore. Fun fact, there is this one carpenter in Nazareth, he said his yoke was easy. He said his yoke wasn't hard and that the burden he offers is light. And uh, of course, that's Jesus. And we're gonna learn from that carpenter today and learn how to apply it in our lives. We are kind of in this mini series. It's, um, you know, we haven't put a whole lot of creativity into it just simply because we all kind of sense this, this, uh, this moment of like, we just need the words of Christ.
You know, like, man, the, in the words of Christ are life, and he always speaks to whatever situation we're going in, and, that we're in. And, and so for, you know, until now, until the week after Labor Day, we will uh, each be looking at random words of Christ that we need to hear today that will encourage and equip you and lift you up um, and maybe challenge you. I mean, the word always challenges. So uh, last week we talked about the, the word of abiding in Christ and the, this, the vital need that we have to abide in Christ, in his person, in his words, in his teaching, in his presence. And, and it was great to be with you all last week in person. So if you missed that, encourage you to check it out. Um, we're going to build on that today, hearing the word of Christ where he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 11. We're going to do something a little different. We've just got three verses to read, but we'll begin reading in uh, the version I most often use, which is the ESV. Um, but I'm also going to read the NLT and the message translations. And, and I think those three different translations together will help give us these different perspectives. And I, I love how we get various dimensions of that. So Matthew chapter 11, just a couple of verses. They're so simple, profound, and life-giving. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Read from the NLT translation here. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Here's Eugene Peterson, one of our heroes in the message. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Hear the word of our Lord. I want to um, throw this verse up here on the screen, and I'm curious... Uh, which one of these phrases, there's so many little phrases in here. They come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Hopefully we can fit that on all on the screen. And stare at that, and just, you know, 
I guess if I were asking you the question, which one of these little phrases or like handful of words seems most important to you? There's really not a wrong answer here. But look at that. Is it come to me? Uh, all who are weary, is it I will give you rest, which is a great insight there. We'll unpack that a little bit. Is it take my yoke upon you and learn from me? Is it for I am gentle and lowly in heart? Is it my yoke is easy and my burden is light? There's not a uh, there's not a wrong answer here, right? But I'm curious for you and wherever you are in your journey and where you are right now, which one of these phrases maybe stands up? They're all good, but which one kind of stands up a little bit higher than the others? Uh, we'll go through them and we'll just note some things that are I think are important to know. Uh, come to me. You know, when I was um, first a believer in Jesus, um, I experienced a profound uh, desire for the Word of God, uh, desire to pray, desire to worship, desire to uh, serve others. I was in the church um, almost every day of the week after school. I, I was in junior high and high school. Uh, I think my seventh or eighth grade years when I really felt that regeneration of the heart and when I began to notice the, the evidences of, of salvation show up. And a couple of years after that like honeymoon experience with the Lord, I started to get weary. And um, I remember feeling bad about it. I remember just feeling tired all the time, which, you know, 16, 17-year-olds shouldn't feel that way. I don't think you're like Superman or Superwoman. And um, I, I remember one Sunday night, very vividly, um, a guest, I think an evangelist had come in and they were talking, I think they were talking about a different verse about do not be weary in well-doing. And they were saying, hey, if you feel weary, just come up to the front, we'll pray for you. And I remember feeling so much shame and guilt, but man, I was so tired. I was like, forget, like I, I need, I need help. And, you know, a handful of people out of several hundred, you know, came forward for prayer. And, um, I, I just remember feeling like something was wrong with me for being weary and tired. And we should never feel that way. Jesus says, come to him. Like, he welcomes. If you're weary today, if you're watching and listening and you feel weary, I don't know how in this extraordinary moment that we are in, I don't know how you're not <laughs> weary. I turned on the news, three seconds in, I'm weary. I don't know how you're not weary, but but maybe you're not. But if you are weary, I, I want to encourage you, reject any feelings of guilt or shame with that. It's okay. It's okay. It's our motto. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be weary. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to feel an emptiness. It's been a tough season. Life is hard. We live in a broken world. Jesus welcomes you. He welcomes you. He, he calls you. That There is an incredible offer and invitation for you to come and, and not only learn the way of Jesus, but to also find rest, to receive rest for your soul. So I encourage you today, if you're weary in any way, shape, or form, 
uh, if you're carrying guilt or shame, that's not from Jesus. You know, check the return address on that because it's not from Jesus. Uh, he welcomes you. Next phrase here is, is this wonderful phrase. He says, I will give you rest. It took me a while to, to understand this. I, for, 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 uh, for a long time, thought rest was something I had to achieve. thought rest was something I had to do. And I would spend my days off, like just like, okay, Drew, rest, just rest. <laughs> like I would work really hard to not work. Um, and I had to learn the lesson that rest is something that God gives us. Now we're gonna dive into how, which is I think really important, but um, you know, we often look for restoration in all the wrong places. I sound like a broken record. I know you might be uh, tired of me saying this, but we should understand the profound lesson that relief is not the same thing as restoration. R relief or uh, you know, opening the pressure valve is not the same thing as rest, as restoration. I use the analogy all the time. I like watching uh, a little bit, like 20 minutes of ESPN at the end of the day just to see what's going on in the sports world. I know you look at me and think, athlete. Um, and you'd be wrong. But I, I enjoy just watching... Uh, my show is PTI, pardon the interruption. And I, I, I like just seeing, hey, what's kind of going on in the sports world? Curious. And sitting there with a bowl of ice cream or boom chicka pop or whatever is a relief. But it's not restoration. It does not bring rest to my soul. You know, for many, uh, I, don't, I don't have Netflix, but for many, you have Netflix. And uh, Netflix is relief. It's not restoration. Disney Plus relief, not restoration. It could be other things. You know, I use those examples. You know, those are big social media, um, which is not a relief. That's actually a cause of stress for many. But you get the point. Um, Jesus is the one who gives us rest. And, and rest is really short for restoration. And so you might ask yourself, you know, am I receiving restoration when I do whatever. When I exercise, when I sleep in, when I go for a walk, when I pray, when I study, when I'm with good friends, when I'm at the movies, it's whatever. I'm, I'm not going to prescribe necessarily how you should go about that. However, I think it might be a good thing to ask, is Jesus restoring my soul when I do fill in the blank? Or is this just me escaping and looking for some relief. Relief is different than restoration. Jesus is the one who gives us rest. He says, take my yoke. I remember as a kid first reading this and thinking of eggs, right? Uh, I wonder how many of you, when you when you see the word yoke, you, your first thought is eggs, and you're like, not that one, a different one. It took me a while to realize, what's Jesus talking about with this yoke? And I had to you know, learn about some agricultural, as uh, we shared in the beginning of this message, he says, take my yoke, and he describes his yoke as an easy one, not a hard one. Should you understand, you know, how wooden yokes work with oxen, it all makes wonderful sense. I think the key is this actually next phrase. And uh, I'm, I'm curious how many of you uh, honed in on it. And there's no right or wrong answer here, but what I've learned in studying this, what I've learned in... Um, 
looking to Jesus for restoration, at least for me, is that the key is in the phrase. Learn from me, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I want to suggest to you that may be one of the most significant handful of words in this passage we read. The disclosing of his character and nature that he says, not just take my yoke, right? He says, come to me if you're weary, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest, great. Take my yoke, it's easy. Burden's light, it's great. Learn from me for I am humble. I am gentle. I am lowly in heart. I have a heart and a disposition of meekness. I want to suggest to you that that may be the most important and the most critical little phrase here that Jesus is uttering to us. Uh, Tozer on this says, Jesus calls us to his rest and meekness is his method. The meek man cares not at all who is greater than he, for he has long ago decided that the esteem of the world is not worth the effort. We'll come back to that in a second. We'll just finish this up. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, thinking of the strong ox and the young ox, of course, in that analogy, Jesus is the strong ox. We are the young ox. And I ask you today, the yoke that is on you, is it easy? Is the burden light? If it's digging into your back or your neck or your hide, I want to suggest you may look into that because there may be something attached to the yoke that is not of the way of Christ and it may need to be shaved off, may need to be removed. You may need to get a new fitting. The yoke that you're feeling, is it of Christ? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out? Are you at the end? And if the answer is yes, that's totally okay, as we've talked about. And I, I want to be specific here. Um, is your soul tired? Okay. You know, your body could be tired because of a long day at work or health reasons or whatever. That's totally fine. I'm going to hone in on your soul. Is your soul weary? Is your soul tired? Now, there can be a lot of reasons for that. There are so many different um, ailments to the soul. And so I, I, I don't want to be simplistic, but I want to highlight one. And there could be many, but there's one that I want to ask you about. Are you carrying the burden of pride? You know, I, I, I know as I have been talking, my guess is none of you thought about how pride is exhausting. But the burden of pride is great. And I believe most of our weariness in our soul comes from some 
form of pride, whether it's the pride of others that's being imposed on us or whether most of the time it's our own pride that is being injured and it hasn't been fully put to death. And uh, just a word of warning, if when I asked if you are carrying the burden of pride, if your immediate answer was no, my friend, you might be carrying the burden of pride <laughs> because one of the catch-22s of pride is that uh, the proud person is too proud to admit that they're proud. I'll give you a few examples of this that contribute to our soul weariness and why the answer to our weariness is often uh, taking on the humility of Christ, which is what he's teaching. Take my yoke upon you. And here's my yoke. He defines it. I'm meek. I'm humble. I'm lowly in heart. Meekness is God's method to get rest into us often. If you are, I'll just give two kind of quick examples. There's so many I could give. And I, I, I believe you are intelligent enough to like work this out in your own life. But to maybe give you a primer, um, if you are so prideful to believe that you have the power to change other people, you're going to be weary. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to burn out. Because here's the truth. You can't change anybody. You know, is there a family member you're trying to change? Is there a spouse or a child you're trying to change? Is there a neighbor or a coworker or a boss or an employee that you're trying to change? <laughs> is there a, a fellow church member that you're trying to change? Please don't be so arrogant enough to believe that you have the power to change people. I would suggest you don't even have the power to change yourself. New Year's resolutions is exhibit A. Like how, how long after January 1 every year have you failed at being able to change yourself? Only God can change people, including you. And while, yes, we have some say in the matter, and yes, we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, and, and yes, there are perhaps practices or spiritual disciplines that are needed to engage in if you want full transformation, at the end of the day, the power to change and transform lies in Christ. You can't change people. You can't even change yourself. That's God's job. But if you are so proud to believe that you are actually called and equipped to change others, my friend, you're going to be burned out. You're going to be weary. You're going to be tired. It's exhausting because God's not equipped you to do that job. And so if you're worn out, one thing, one thing you could ask yourself is like, hey, am I trying to change people? Am I trying to change my spouse? Am I trying to change my kids? Am I trying to control situations? Am I trying to control relationships? Am I, am I trying to be the dominating factor here that could be a contributor to your weirdness? And another one, which is I think more common, is the burden of pride we carry often comes in the form of worrying about what other people think of us. 
I believe this is one of the reasons why social media platforms are so profitable and engaged with in such a high level is because we as humans are concerned with what other people think. This goes back to the garden where Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. They were naked and ashamed, and their first instinct is, how do I cover myself and control how other people perceive me? That is the burden of pride. It's exhausting. It'll wear you out. When you are constantly having to be your own PR person and to make sure that you are seen in the light and in the perspective that you want to be seen, if you are constantly worrying about how other people perceive you, whether they approve of you, whether they disapprove of you, whether they like you, whether they're happy or upset with you, what they're saying about you behind their back or in their head, that, my friends, is exhausting. And I believe Christ would say to you, take my yoke, humble yourself, for I am gentle and lowly heart. I am meek. The, 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 the meek person or the humble person does not think less of themselves. They just think of themselves less. Did you catch that? The humble person does not think less of themselves. Often we, uh, we, we rename um, inverted pride to be humility. And often pride masquerades in humility. If you have a low self-esteem, you struggle with pride just as much as the arrogant fool. Because it's all about you. It's just negative, not positive. The humble person does not think less of themselves. The humble person does not beat themselves up. The humble person doesn't pay attention to themselves. The humble person does not think less of themselves. They think of themselves less often. Think of others. And so if you are weary, may I ask you the question, are you yoked with pride? Are you carrying the crushing burden of pride, of self-preservation. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, to, to pick up our cross, to follow him. You know, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives within me. If you have been crucified with Christ, there is no need to worry about what other people think of you. This is uh, an epidemic right now in Pastors and in clergy, uh, perhaps you've noticed, but most pastors are chronic people pleasers. Not all. It's, it's the ones who um, don't care about what other people think in an unhealthy way. Those are the ones you got to worry, wor worry about. Uh, but most of the pastors that I know, most of my colleagues and my peers, it breaks their heart when, when you let people down when people are upset with you. It does for me. Um, I do not like when people are upset with me. It, it really messes with me. And um, man, in, 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 the, uh, in the day in which we live, it, it's impossible to please. It, it's a fool's errand to, please, to try to please everybody. And, and even in making a decision about should we wear masks or not, you're... you're, you're you know, leaders, principals, teachers, business owners, pastors, you know, like you're going to let people down, you know, um, and, uh, and COVID has really exasperated that on the pandemic level. And so um, 
it just reveals, and, and I see it in myself, and I see it in my, my friends who are pastors, it reveals this, this level of pride we carry, which is wanting to please everybody. And it's impossible. We are already approved of in God. You are already approved of in God. You have no need to please people. And so if you're weary, if you're tired, if you're burned out, are you carrying the burden of pride with you? I gave you two examples that are really easy and like low-hanging fruit. There are untold numbers of, of other examples in which this uh, can flesh out. And I know you, you are smart enough. You have the ability to sit with the Lord, to say, search my heart, reveal to me where pride may be at work, where pride may be exhausting my soul and, and wearing down my soul. I, I, I know you can do that. I encourage you to do that. One last note on why this is so important. Um, I think it was Winky Prattney who, who pointed out that, that Lucifer, Satan, the devil, did not get in trouble running off with a lady angel. You know, it's kind of funny to think that. Um, Lucifer's downfall was that he had an independent spirit. Lucifer's downfall was that he had pride. He was not submitted to God. And he took a third of the angels with him and has wrecked havoc on God's creation ever since. Pride is this very subtle and small and insidious thing that destroys lives. And I just want to suggest to you, if you're tired in your soul, it could be for other reasons, but specifically here, as we hear Jesus' words to come to him, um, if you're weary, if you're heavy laden, that he will give you rest. But the way Christ gives you rest is by offering his yoke of humility. And uh, I just want to encourage you today to reevaluate whether you are yoked with Christ or if you're yoked with other things that are burning you out. Christ's humility is central to the gospel message. You know, Philippians 2, one of the great chapters of the New Testament, one of the most poetic uh, sections of the New Testament, says that Christ did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but in humility, you know, he comes down, he condescends, and he takes on the form of man. He becomes obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the result is resurrection. The result is the ascension. The result is a, a, a resurrection and a life offered to us. And so I encourage you today, um, whether you aren't a believer and you're not sure what to think about the faith or whether you're a seasoned believer, open your hands and receive the humble Christ into your life. Receive a fresh connection with the Lord who said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. The result is rest. The result is rest in the middle of the storm in this life, and the result is rest for eternity, eternal life. 
Jesus, we give you thanks for being this type of Lord who is so practical. Thank you for noticing how humanity has a tendency to become weary, to become heavy laden, to become burdened, to become weighed down. And we just confess alongside of you, Jesus, that there's really nothing we can do to achieve that rest in our souls. There's nothing we can do to achieve eternal rest. It is only by your love and your meekness that we can receive it. So Lord, we humble ourselves. We humble ourselves before you. We ask that, that right now you would show us the practical ways in which we are to become yoked to you in your humility, in your gentleness, in your brokenness, your contrite heart. Lord, show us areas in which we walk in arrogance. Show us areas in which we walk in pride. Show us areas in which we walk in self-preservation instead of giving our lives for our brothers and sisters out of love. Or show us the areas where we are protective. Show us the areas where we are concerned with what other people think more than what you think. Show us the areas in which we attempt to control and change others or even ourselves. Lord, for those who are weary and heavy laden, God, I ask that you would show up in the most profound of ways that they need. Lord, right now, surround them with your presence, with your goodness, and begin the process of giving them your humility and thereby giving them true restoration. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.